Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz, author, speaker, and creator of crazyperfectlife.com. I help people learn how to bring more joy into their lives, find meaning each day, and connect with the people they love. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am a seven-ton cancer thriver, but more importantly, I am also the original napkin notes dad. I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. So Dara, we have been hunkered down for over 10 weeks. I think your family's been the same thing, right? Yeah. And if you had told me back then that we would be where we are now, I don't think I would have believed it. I certainly wouldn't have. And, you know, in the beginning, I think that I was kind of, you know, really thinking that this was going to be a quick thing, that it would pass, that the impact wouldn't be all that big. And as it turned out, whatever my thoughts were, were very wrong, wrong. very (laughs) wrong. It's really almost hard to fathom the place that we're in today versus how differently our lives were 10 weeks ago. Well, and also to be perfectly honest, from a certain point of view, we, we don't really know how this is going to shake out or when this will quote unquote end. Right. So a lot of states now are going to phase two. And what that means is that a lot of restaurants are opening up in the new normal. Really, a lot of businesses are starting to create their new normal when we're taping this episode. And so today we're going to discuss a little bit about recovery and what the new normal looks like. And, and what what are you feeling, Garth, in terms of how things are looking in Virginia, where you live? Well, so what's really interesting, I've, I've been giving this topic a lot of thought for two reasons. One is obviously we're personally impacted by this, but also I'm on the COVID response team for work and we are talking about what recovery looks like and how things might move back to a sense of normalcy. And so part of that process was what is recovery? Right, we, we kind of have to figure out what that is before you can even take those next steps. So what for you or me or whatever situation you're in, and this may not may or may not be COVID related, right? So you're in a you're in a situation where you need to make a change because you've been negatively impacted. What does that recovery look like? Well, I feel like there are basically two different types of people right now. And I, we haven't talked about this, so I'm kind of curious to see what your, what your thoughts are on this. But to me, it feels like there's two different kinds of people in terms of the way they're viewing re-entry into the world or recovery, if you will. One is the person that says, okay, the virus is still out there. Nothing's really changed. Yes, all these businesses are opening up and yes, people have to go back to work and yes, people need to earn a living. But the reality of the situation is everything is still the same in terms of the risk associated with contracting the virus and or being a carrier and not knowing it, blah, blah, blah. Then we have the second type of person and that person is saying, you know what? I'm just not going to worry about what could happen. It's time to get back to the business of living. And 
maybe they did social distance for a little bit. Maybe they were kind of loose in terms of like how they social distanced or Maybe they are just kind of like, I am over it and it's just time to get back and I'm willing to take my risk because I can't just put my life on hold. And you might not agree, Garth, but that's kind of what I've noticed. I think that does simplify what's out there. If I had to guess, I would say that most people are like right in the middle of how do I balance getting back to recovery versus minimizing my risk. And as you were describing this, believe it or not, my mind went to baseball. Shocker. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, obviously I'm missing watching Emma play softball. There is no baseball season going on right now. And I do absolutely love watching baseball. I make a point of going to a couple of games every year. And I played baseball as a kid, coached Emma when she was younger in softball. And I just, those types of analogies work really well. And what you're really describing are two different types of base runners, right? That that yeah. base runner who's who's clearly keeping his foot on first base and he's going to stay there until the ball gets hit into the outfield and then he's going to run. I actually then, really like this analogy and it's really... And that's a, it's and amazing. That's, it is amazing, but that's actually a really good job, Garth. I mean, you're right. right. It's like someone who just doesn't... They want to keep their foot on. They don't want to take the risk. They... Yeah, they're kind of completely two extremes, though, in my mind. Yeah, well, and then there's that other base runner. And I remember watching a game. This wasn't even Emma. It was one of Emma's teammates where she was on second base. And if you can imagine, I mean, I just I remember this play like it was yesterday. And I know this is not a visual podcast, but I'm closing my eyes so I can picture it more clear mm. clearly. She was on second base. She was leading off. And she was almost to the halfway point of third base. I mean, that's how far of a leadoff wow. she had. And the pitcher got the ball or the catcher had the ball or something like that. And she turned around as if she were going back to second. But she didn't move her feet. Mm. She just kind of turned her torso and kind of made the motion with her upper body. And so everybody assumed that that's where she was going. And mm. then the next thing you knew, she was on third. It was the play was amazing. And, and clearly also a huge risk within the game. It was more likely than not that she would have been thrown out. It was more likely than not that she would, you know, that would have been a negative play for her and her team. Uh, the, but she took that risk. The thing about this now is that the risk, there's a lot at stake in terms of taking the risks. And we don't know. I think that the whole uncertainty just puts a whole nother level of really like how much risk are you willing to take in that you don't know if you did get the virus, how your body would react. And that just makes it way more complicated, I think. And it just, it, it's dividing people already. And we really haven't even moved to living phase two, but I've, I'm already sensing a lot, a divide. Well, so, and again, that's that's where we go back to that original question is, what does recovery look like? To you. To, to me, to to anybody, right? So yeah, it, you have but to I assess think it your can own. Look, it, you have to assess your own thing because it can be different. It's going to be different for everyone. Right. So what I does think, it look like for you? I am not here to talk about what recovery looks like for me. Oh. Where I'm just here to guide you through the steps. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and part of it is, to be honest, I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. Like, I, I, I have an idea. Um, we're, we're all trying to figure it out. And I'm going to take come... off my baseball hat and 
the, one of the reasons why I, I have actually this think hat your hair looks good because it's been flattened down because of the hat, right? But if you take a look at the back of my neck, it's actually not as bad as that's a there's a lot there's a lot of gray there. <laughs> well, I'm not used to seeing. Is that because there's a lot of hair? <laughs> it's because there's a lot more hair, and don't forget too, like a month or five weeks ago. We did the family haircut day where Lisa and right. Emma cut my hair. So this is, you know, only half as bad as it could be. Gotcha. Um, but so if you are were you, to ask. Yeah. Go are you going to go get your haircut? I actually had an appointment scheduled last week and canceled it. Okay. I decided that if I could have been the first person. Yeah. Yeah. Then I would have done it. But now that my barber has seen, you know, 8, 10, 12 people a day. I find it hard to justify that risk myself, but again, we're not judging anyone. We're not, we're just kind of saying where we are today. Right. And as I tell my kids, this is my statement. I reserve the right to change my opinion at any moment, given any new information that Absolutely. comes into my realm. Right. That's kind of Absolutely. what I've been telling my kids for 10 weeks. So I think one of the cool things about figuring out what recovery looks like is that it gives you the ability to plan and visualize those steps that are going to get you to recovery. Because like right now I have, you know, little things like haircut. I really need to get my truck serviced. We have some home repairs that we desperately yeah. need people to come into our home and do. Yeah. Right. So by visualizing these, we can start to plan what those steps look like. And then we have some bigger things too going on, right? Like what does my next treatment look like? You know, how is my family going to celebrate Emma's finishing her sophomore year of college, right? We get to walk around the neighborhood and take big sticks so that nobody comes close to us, right? Right. Um, right. So, <clears throat> but kind of, you know, regardless of the when of recovery, you know, once you figure out what it what recovery is going to look like for you, you, you know, you might start and finish at a different pace than what you expect, but you That's can plan what the next steps, you know, what's next, what are the next things that you can do? And most importantly, that allows you to be, you're already that much further ahead when recovery actually exists for you. I think it's really hard for me personally to be thinking about the steps to take for recovery when the numbers are increasing. So I'm actually personally really struggling with that to discuss, uh, to discuss going out and changing what we've been doing and talking about, you know, the new normal and blah, blah, blah. When quite honestly, the numbers are increasing in a lot of places it just, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. And I know maybe I shouldn't say that because, I, why are you looking at me like that? I'm not looking at you anyway, Dara. Okay. No, you do not read into my facial expressions okay. at all. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, it's just something that I think we can't ignore. We can't pretend that people are not still getting sick, that numbers are still increasing. It's still there. And so it's kind of like, how do you get out of that fear space? How do you allow yourself to move forward if that's what you're comfortable doing? Or even if you're not comfortable doing, but if you're just kind of like maybe living with people that have to go back to work or, you know, whatever, it's, it can be, I think it's going to be really challenging for a lot of people. I think it is. But again, knowing what you want it to look like for you doesn't mean that it has to happen today. 
Here's a, a great example, and we'll go really simple. Garth and get, getting his haircut. If I wait until everything is all clear and we don't have to wear masks in public and everything like that, and we all feel safe again to make my appointment to get my haircut, chances are I'm going to wait months because everybody. Absolutely. Right. And so how do you manage that? You know, maybe I know this is really silly, but maybe I, I make an appointment every other week. And then as we get into that week, I cancel because I don't feel safe, but I'm making those plans so that I can better navigate to where recovery is. Yeah. Or maybe you just let your wife cut your hair and you say, you know what, this isn't a necessary risk that I feel like I need to make. I, I right. think there are going to be a lot of situations like that. I think for a lot of people who have kids and summer coming up and people are starting to go back to work or their companies are saying, okay, it's for a lot of people, it, it's time to come back in. We need to open up. You need to come back. And then the whole childcare issue, because a lot of camps, pretty much everything's been closed for kids. So I think that just puts a whole nother level of stress for a lot of people in terms of, you know, how to just navigate their day-to-day -day lives without having the support they're used to having, especially in the summer. Sure. Well, well and even, you know, that's something that we're planning for at work, right? So even though some states are kind of allowing folks to go back into the office and whatnot, we aren't. And yeah. one of the biggest reasons why we aren't is we don't have to. But the other thing is that we know that a lot of families yeah. have kids that are stuck at home and they're taking school there. And they, so if the parents go back to the office, We're, who's going to take care of their kids? kids? Yeah. Right. And I actually think that says a lot about your, your company, quite honestly, because I think a lot of companies actually are, some of them have decided to kind of go that, that way. And I think that's great because, I mean, do you want your 10-year-old watching your 6-year-old while you and your, you know, your significant other are, are at work? Um, That's right. It's, but, it's not 1950 anymore. Yeah. I mean, come <laughs> on. We have laws about this stuff. but And car seats and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just definitely interesting. And I've noticed that there are just a lot of people that are saying, you know what? Okay, I'm ready to live again and I'm over this and I'm just going to take my risk. Whatever happens is going to happen. And then I, you can tell that I'm absolutely in the other space, that I'm a more cautious person when it comes to this. And I think because I've personally been through a health issue, that does make me feel maybe a little bit more cautious in terms of the fact that I understand that, you know, I'm not invincible. You're not invincible. Things can happen to us. And so I, I want to do everything I can to keep myself as healthy as possible. Yeah, I hear you. And that is probably part of your plan, right? Just because you see that recovery is out in the future, that, you know, part of your steps are, I'm not going to do this until X, Y, and Z happen. I'm not going to go out to a restaurant until X, Y, and Z happens. I mean, I'll have to admit, I am, you know this, Tara, I'm an introvert. And to be honest, after 10 weeks of being introverted, stuck in my home, I am so over it. Okay. And I am such an extrovert. So you can imagine I know. how I'm feeling. But Garth, 
honestly, I'm not feeling like I'm going to a restaurant anytime soon. Oh, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would, I would love to, right. But again, oh, we all, I I want, I want a robot waiter. I want a robot chef. (laughs) I, I want nobody else in the restaurant. Um, and and I know that I'm being a little extreme in that, but I need to be very cautious. Yeah. Again, not because I'm compromised. I know we've talked about this before, but because I don't want to be sick on top of how I feel. Right. Someone said something to me the other day. They said, um, well, Dara, I can understand that you are being a lot more cautious because you're a cancer survivor. And they said it like that. Um, and it kind of, and, and they said, and you probably, and you, you're at risk. You need to be a lot more cautious than any of us. Now, this is someone who literally, I don't even think they've been social distancing at all. And again, I'm not judging. I'm not here to judge. But that statement really kind of threw me for a second. And I said, you know, honestly, I'm not really sure that's true. We don't really know how anyone will be impacted so maybe that person is just comfortable in that space. And I don't know. I don't know. But it really did kind of make me take pause. Um, maybe I'm just more sensitive about it. I don't know. Oh, well, again, I think that I think that recognizing, right, so that so this process is going to be very personal. And I think that there needs to be a certain amount of, I don't know, self-awareness and self-confidence in recognizing what this process is going to look like for you and if other people are going to move about differently that you just kind of have to be strong in your own self oh gosh yes i mean i don't have any problem as we know i mean i think everyone has to (laughs) as we i think everyone has to kind of figure out what they're comfortable with respect the choices of others a hundred percent you know give everyone a little bit of grace, be extra kind with people as they make their personal choices, because it is harder for, for some people than it is for other people. And I definitely think that there's going to be, people are going to be anxious, even if they're not people that are accustomed to feeling anxious. There's really no way that I think you could go somewhere that you haven't been allowed to go and trust that you're going to be okay. I mean, that's going to take a little bit of time in terms of like sort of building your confidence. I I couldn't agree more. I would be so grateful if you pre-ordered my new book, I Am My Mother's Daughter, Wisdom on Life, Loss, and Love. As a thank you, there are five free downloadable items that will be immediately sent to your inbox when you fill out the pre-order form at crazyperfectlife.com. Thank you so much. I am incredibly appreciative. So Dara, I know that when we started this, I think even before we started recording, I said that this wasn't necessarily going to be about COVID. And we're really kind of centering on that. And and look, let's face it, it's still in the forefront of everybody's minds, regardless of what else is going on in your life. But I, I want to go back to these steps really quickly, because I, I actually have been writing these down and contemplating them since you and I first came up with this topic a week or so ago. Um, so recovery, you know, figuring out what it is, which is basically understand, right? Understand where you are and where you want to go. What if you don't want to go anywhere? Well, I think that we all need to learn and grow in our lives. Otherwise, <laughs> we're stagnating and we should really reevaluate that. There's always room 
to learn something new in your life. Um, and I'm not saying go, you know, physically. I'm just saying, yeah, of course. right? I'm saying understand yeah, what that process looks like. Gonna look like. Yeah. That's going to help you develop your playbook. So here I am today at point A. I want to get to point B. How do, you know, what are the things that I need to do to make that happen? Understanding that the start and the finish cycle might be different for me than it is for anybody else. And that my steps might be different. I might choose to go from step one to step four because step two and three, I don't need to do. And then what is that end solution for you? How are you going to get there? How do you best navigate there and then celebrate when you get there? I have, in fact, been talking about my cancer journey this whole time. And I knew that you knew that I was going there. I mean, of course, we've known we've known each other too long for this to be like a shock to Dara. But from my very first diagnosis, right, so I I had to figure out where I was, where did I want to go, how did I want to get there, and then, you know, what does that recovery look like? And for better or worse, I've actually had to, like, step back into step two and even back to step one often through this process. And it was a long process. It's been seven years. Absolutely. Eight years even from the very first one, okay. right? Okay. But but I mean, so think about that. It's been so long that recovery for me is like it's, this ongoing it's thing. It's life. It's a lifestyle. It, it is It is a lifestyle. Yeah. Gosh, I, I should make like a TV channel about this, the recovery channel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so th- this actually brings me to the note that I wrote to Emma a long time ago, and I copied it. So I'm sure that you've heard this before. I think that it was like a pinterest sign or a chalkboard or something that i i have a picture of and i'm like oh this will make a good note for emma at one time and it says an optimist is someone who figures that taking a step backward after taking a step forward is not a disaster it's Mm. more like a (laughs) cha-cha let's do the cha-cha exactly yeah i mean i think that's so important you've got to be flexible you've got to be patient you have to understand that there's a lot of things you can't control you do the best you can with the information that you have today knowing that you might have different set of information coming down like two weeks from now a month from now and you have to be willing to kind of reevaluate take a couple steps backwards maybe and that's okay And you've done that incredibly well in your life over the past seven-ish, eight years. I mean, you are such a model for someone who has the ability to persevere and be flexible and figure it out and regroup. That's really a word that comes to mind. You know, really regroup. Here's where I am today. And okay, let me look at what's changed and how can I figure it out to make my life work for me? I mean, you are the poster child for that 100%. So, well, And I think that that really serves me everywhere. Right? Yeah, it's oh, not, for sure. It's, it, right? It's not just a cancer thing. I had to do something really difficult at work this week, and it was mentally challenging. I was in a place where I didn't know how to get to the end result and decided that I was just going to try a bunch of different things and document the process and eventually get to, hopefully, a solution. And the executive who was sponsoring this event, she called me early this morning and she's like, Garth, I'm just so nervous. And are you sure that this is going to work? 
And I said, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Right. And so it's funny that you say that because you pretty much always tell me that. And I love that you say that. I mean, that's probably one of my favorite things that I've learned from our friendship. But earlier in this conversation, I was thinking when you were talking about getting your hair cut, I wanted to say to you, Garth, what's the worst that's going to happen? So you're going to have bad hair for the next, you know, whatever, however long it's going to take. So, I mean, the point is... (laughs) The point for a lot of people that actually would be really bad, but I mean, the the point is, is that you have to figure out what your comfort level is and kind of respect it. Well, and and that, and that goes for everything, right? That's, you know, from something as simple as learning how to make a new dinner to something as complex as managing a life and death situation. And we kind of have to recognize that most of the, I guess, recovery steps are not going to be something as simple as dinner. And Getting a haircut, ho- yeah. Right, and hopefully yeah. not nearly as complex as a life and death situation. It's going to be somewhere closer to the middle of that. So finding your middle ground is going to be really important. And I know for myself, like, I'm probably going to have to be nudged a little bit by the people that I live with who maybe don't agree <laughs> with um, with kind of what I'm thinking. And, you know, that's uncomfortable for me. It's it's hard when you're living with people who aren't on the same page as you are in terms of, you know, maybe moving forward right now. And I think there are a lot of people that can relate to what I'm saying. I mean, it's not uncommon for you to be living with someone who maybe sees it a little bit differently just because we all have different levels of risk and such. I mean, to be honest, Ara, when was the last time your entire family agreed on what to have for dinner? Right. Yeah, something right. so simple. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But these are these are hard choices going forward because what one person in the family does impacts everyone in the family. Who one person in the family is around will impact everyone in the family. When you have a health issue, it impacts the whole family. When you know you're trying to figure out your next treatment play that impacts the whole family. So, you know, it's these aren't black and white issues at all. There's so much gray, almost as much gray as what is on top of your head right now. Um, oh, <laughs> oh. oh, did I just say that out loud? But yes, I mean, there is so much, there's a lot of gray area right here and, and we need a lot of grace. We do. I think, you know, what's, again, what's really interesting is that I just hosted a webinar for work and giving grace, allowing grace was part of one of the discussion points. Mm. Believe it or not, so it was an IT webinar. One of the sponsors of the webinar brought up the fact that, you know, people are working from home and your kids are going to barge in when you're doing a Zoom call and everybody needs to have that extra grace. And that's been a recurring thing in my organization. I think with everyone. And I actually like that. It's kind of humanized people a little bit more. And I like actually seeing people in their home environments. I'm not used to seeing a lot of people necessarily. I mean, there are people that I've been, whatever, seeing on TV or even just having Zoom meetings with or FaceTime or Skype. And I am not used to seeing them in their private space, if you will. And I like that. It's kind of helped me get to know them a little bit better. It's amazing. Just it was a couple of years ago, right, that that guy was on CNN and his two kids barged into his home office. And he was like, trying to shoo him away. And, the and now that's like, like our daily lives. Exactly. I know. Yes. Like that guy, that guy's our hero today. He's 
So true. So true. So we wish you all nothing but much health. And as you move forward and you find your comfort level, we wish that you give yourself a lot of patience, grace, flexibility, and just do what works for you. Listen to your heart. And and very important, make make the plan because you do you want to be able to hit the ground running when it's time to work on that plan. Every time you say make that plan, I just want to say this to you. What? <laughs> because this just shows you where I am now. It's like make that plan. Here's Dara's plan. There is no plan <laughs> because nothing needs to change. I'm so resistant right now to making any changes right now. Yeah, but see, Dara, that's because you that's and I are talking point. about different things, right? You're talking about COVID, and I'm just talking about things, like the the process. Yeah, the process, right? right. So I'm, I'm a really big, you know, I firmly believe that whenever you have to do something more than a couple of steps, there right, needs yeah. to be a plan. Right, write it down and, and it's too challenging to, you know, especially, I don't want to say for me with chemo brain, but yeah, for me with chemo brain. Well, with anything though, I mean, what you're saying is break it down into little manageable steps, do one step, cross it off, go to the next step. That way it's not overwhelming. That's what right. you're saying. And Absolutely. I think that's so true. A hundred percent. It's just like, you know, uh, here's a, I think the best example that I can give in real life. Okay. When I cook something. That's beyond a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? If I have to cook something with multiple ingredients and there are multiple steps to the process, I read the directions, I get out all of the ingredients and measure them out, and then I start the cooking process. So that that way, halfway through, I'm not like, oh, shoot, I needed garlic. Plus, it's fun to do it because then you're kind of like, you have your own cooking show. I do, I do it exactly like that. I like to do exactly that. Sometimes like that. I pretend too. I pretend like I'm talking to an audience. Well, Dara, you know what? That that could be a new webinar series or a new YouTube series by, you know, cooking with Dara. Cooking by by herself. There's with a Dara. lot of things that I am good at. That is not something that I should ever do for anyone. I you know what? I love your eggs. Okay, and we'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to thank everybody for clicking in and listening to us today. I promise. We need to remind oh. everyone. Sorry, it just came to oh, me. No. Please write us a review because we haven't been asking you enough to do that. And it really matters. Yeah. What, and what are we supposed to say? Apparently like, a lot of subscribe. other podcasts have done a much better job at this than we have. And now we're slacking a little bit in the reviews. So Please give us lots of stars and write us a review. <laughs> like, subscribe, comment, yeah. click, share. What, share. That's right. Email uh, it to your friends if you if you're not on social media. Promise yeah. your friends free burritos. Mm, no, I don't okay. Know. <laughs> and we'll end it there. Take two. <laughs> no, you can tell that we are clearly not like the polished YouTube stars. Well, what are you saying, Garth? I like life, this way. You know, life life is way more fun when you're just kind of like. Not taking yourself too seriously. That's right. And on that note. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. I invite you to get my free audio download, Reclaim Your Life at crazyperfectlife.com with tips and tools to help you feel your best. 
It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.